You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Jay Money, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. Jay Money is an acclaimed blogger and entrepreneur. In 2008, while searching for an apartment, he landed himself a $350,000 house and a dire need to learn how to budget. While searching online, he discovered the world of personal finance and started what would become a multi-award-winning blog, Budgets Are Sexy, which followed his goal of accumulating a seven-figure net worth. Along the way, he launched and eventually sold Rockstar Finance, a curation and community platform with over 5 million views, as well as started several philanthropic organizations, won 12 industry awards, and has helped buy or sell over 100 financial blogs, including many of his own. He has been featured in several media outlets, including Forbes, Inc. Magazine, The New York Times, LA Times, Kiplinger, Entrepreneur, and Business Insider. In 2019, Jay sold Budgets Are Sexy for an undisclosed amount in the mid-six-figure range, in part to spend more time with his family, and in 2020 launched a curation site for The Motley Fool titled All Star Money. He is also a husband and proud father of three boys. Jay, welcome to Earn and Invest. Your bio describes you as an avid coin collector, money experimenter, and a hip-hop fan. Describe for me your early hip-hop influences. (laughs) Actually, I didn't have many growing up really in college, going to parties and and clubs and stuff. I was just all I heard. And I just loved the way it made me feel like it just feels good vibes. And it's funny, I don't even listen to lyrics, or at least I didn't used to. I'm very much like an emotional person. So whatever gets me excited, pumped up, I kind of go with. And, you know, back then it was Biggie and, and Puff Puff you know, whatever his name is now, P, P Diddy, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> it gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I've got, I like Kanye West. I've gotten into Wu-Tang a lot, like super late, right? They were old school, of course, but like, you know, I'm now listening to lyrics and stuff. I'm like, wow, like it's such a whole other level to hip hop when you pay attention. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, a kid of the 1980s. So I was into oh, like wow. public enemy and boogie down productions, really a lot of politics to the rappers back then so that was it was really kind of cool growing up kind of a a somewhat privileged suburban kid i uh, i enjoyed listening to me some public enemy i tried i got dr dre's chronic at a yard sale and the minute it came through my house my mom's like nope right to the trash (laughs) she like did not let me listen to anything remember that like public advisory that would appear on all of the discs albums Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So people can't see you. This is a podcast, but I can. You're really well known for sporting a mohawk. I mean, you've got a huge beard right now. 
you're kind of a rebel, huh? Oh, I just do whatever uh, excites me, to be honest with you. And it's funny, like, you know, obviously I'm known in this online world for a personal finance guy, but in real life, like you'd never know that it was connected to me, right? Because most finance guys, you know, are kind of more straight on that stuff. But, you know, throughout life, I just, whatever, whatever excites me, interests me. Sometimes I look like a complete, you know, dummy, but as long as I feel good and confident, you know, that's what kind of, I kind of go with. And I'm also a, a child of the military. So I'm used to moving every year, two years growing up. And so that kind of, I, I saw a lot of different culture and, and had to be comfortable with myself, I think a lot sooner, you know, cause I had to keep adapting all the time. Um, yeah, let's yeah. talk about this idea of moving and adapting. I mean, your story, at least for the personal finance purposes, starts at the age of 27. You went out looking to rent a two-bedroom apartment. 48 hours later, you had something quite different. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, mom, I was engaged at the time and we were looking for uh, a place together. We were looking for this two-bedroom apartment we saw advertised. I actually took a wrong turn. Like I went right instead of left, like a, a literal wrong turn. Um, and ended up coming across his home that was $350,000 for sale. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. And of course, like the realtor was really good, had a name and number right there. And I was like, oh, let's just call them just, just for fun, right? Like totally, <laughs> like obviously you should never do that, right? And that guy, like within an hour, he was in front of us opening the doors and he showed us everything. And then he's like, oh, well, renting versus buying, you know, you're throwing money away, Right. And at this point of time, all I know is that everyone, you know, I was, yeah, I was 27. All of my friends were getting married, you know, doing the steps, right. Having kids, you know, buying their first home. And so I just assume that's what you're supposed to do. And so, you know, once I was convinced that renting was bad and, and owning was everything, right. Like we, you know, within, you know, two, two days, we'd signed everything, no money down. It was literally like 2008. So like it, it started to crash and then it kind of went up a little bit. And then it like it crashed like hardcore the real estate market. So we got in right in this weird little dip and then it just all pummeled. So it was A, like never do a big purchase spur of the moment, of course. B, I love renting. If I could rent for the rest of my life, I would. <laughs> I would never own again, right? Because now I know myself more. So don't, you know, there's a lot of hate on renters and I think that's horrible, you know? So yeah, that's how I got started. And, and really, if it wasn't for me buying that, because I literally Googled like need a budget, how to budget, and that's when I accidentally came across like all these stories online. Like I had no idea there was like normal people online. I thought they were all businesses and companies, right? Like I just didn't think about it. And when I saw like a normal person's blog, aka journal, I was like, this is crazy. There's real life people just sharing numbers. And I remember seeing a net worth for the first time. I was like, I've never seen anyone's money ever. Like people talk about money, but they never say, here's my net worth, savings, debt, investing. Like that blew me away. And then I was just hooked from that point forward. So at that point, you were a personal finance novice. You do a deep dive on the internet. Talk to us about some of those early influences. Do you remember what blogs you found? Who kind of affected your trajectory? Yeah. So the very first one I found was the Simple Dollar, which is still around. You know, Trent, he sold it after a couple of years and then he's still been writing for it still this entire, you know, 12 years. You know, he was one of the very first ones. The one that really kind of got me though was mymoneyblog.com by Jonathan Ping. And he's still blogging too, actually. And and he, he was the first one that to share net worth that I saw. He doesn't do it any longer, but like that, the net worth really got me going. And after a while I started coming across, you know, like JD had a had a good blog and, and still does give it slowly. Jim Wang was at bargaineering.com back in the day. Consumerism commentary by Harlan was around and, and some of these are now either gone or sold. 
But after I'd say three or four months, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm learning. I was like, it's just so much fun to talk about money. Like I didn't know I really cared about money, I guess, like, like in a fun way. Like I always thought it was something you had to do. And so when I wanted to talk more, I was like, well, some of these blogs, I started getting, kind of getting bored or they didn't really have a community of people talking. And so I was like, I'm going to start my own and I'm going to curse and talk about drinking. You know, like I'm going to be like a normal person, right? Because I am a normal person. I have no degree in any of this stuff, right? Most bloggers don't. And I think the combination of like trying to be more lighthearted and funny and more real and then also like very strategically, I put sexy in my name thinking like, oh, this is going to attract lots of people, right? <laughs> like the wrong people usually, <laughs> you know, but that was kind of like my only effort to like strategize before I launched the site. Basically, budgets are sexy. There was some shock value there around the naming of the blog. Yeah. And actually looking back, A, like it's blocked in a lot of like, like there's bad for it. Like I didn't know that budgets are sexy would go on to be a, a business, and I didn't know it would change my life and my career and everything. Like I had no idea, obviously. But what the the what I liked about it was that to me, and even to this day, I don't budget anymore, but I still find it very sexy because it gives you confidence, right? Like that's what confidence kind of is. And I like that 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 notion that like like money doesn't have to be boring, you know. And you hear a lot of people talking about like, oh, more financial education is needed, you know, in schools and here and there. And that is true. But most times when financial education is even there, it's boring as hell and no one cares because it's called like budgeting 101. You know, it's called financial education, right? Like no one wants to be like financially educated, right? But call it something like, you know, be a millionaire or how to like, you know, be a video game player for the rest of your life. Like something interesting that people actually enjoy and like relate to, like then they'll learn, like, like you need to want to learn. And I think a lot of us, like we have our epiphany and hopefully we have it earlier, but some of us have it later in life, you know, and, and that, and that sucks. So what I like about the blogging community, everyone puts their own spin on it. Um, and it's very real and, and one-on-one direct kind of, you know, it's, it's really, I, I mean, I just, I just love it. You like the blogging community, in fact, so much that you eventually became a full-time blogger. Tell us about that transition. What were you doing before and how deep were you into Budgets or Sexy when you decided, okay, I can kind of leave my traditional work and do this for a living? Yeah, I was because, again, the military mindset, I was always used to just like doing side jobs here and there and starting a job, ending a job. Like I was just so used to change all the time. So I think I had, you know, 25, 30 different jobs before I even started the blog. Where I was, I was doing customer service, which I love. It's very people oriented for this little startup that was in kind of like the ringtone. Remember when ringtones are really popular, you can buy and download. And um, it was in that kind of business. And then I started the blog while I was there. And then at one point, and I think, so I say the blog, like didn't made no money or thing. It was just fun. And then after like three or four months, like an advertiser paid me like $50, let's say by the end of the year, I think I was making maybe a hundred or $200 a month. So nothing like too crazy, but that kind of started snowballing when I was like, oh, you can make money online. Like, can I make more money? Right. Like it was just, I was doing it for free you know, and I enjoyed it. So like if someone was going to give me money, I was like, this is awesome because I'm already doing it. And so I started paying attention to how that kind of works. And, and, and at the time, one of the blogs that I used to read said, Hey, like, do you, I, I can't blog anymore. Would you like to buy my blog? And I thought, buy like, you can't buy a blog. Like, it's the blog. <laughs> it's your thoughts. Like how, why? Like, it's just so mind blowing to me. I was like, no, of course not. And then we got to talk and he's like, no, no, it's a business. It makes money. Right. And you, you hire a writer and it's just like any other small business. 
I said, no, no, no. And then finally he's like, look, just take it for like a few thousand dollars. And it was probably worth about 10 or $15,000 at that time. And so I think I paid like three or 4,000. I said, all right, I'll do it like to help him. But then also I was like, well, maybe there was something to this, you know? And that even opened up my eyes more like how money is made. And then I had two different places I could advertise, right? It was online property. And at some point my, I started working, I don't know, I was probably spending like 40 hours a week on my blog, managing this other blog. I was thinking of buying other blogs and then I was working 40 hours too, right? So we're about like 70, 80 hours a week. And my wife at one point was like, you are going to burn out. Like you cannot do both. And I said, oh, I, there's no way in hell I can stop the blogging because it was so much fun, you know? And I was like, if I could figure out how to like make money, like for a living, like that would be the dream. And right around these conversations, like I got called in the office and I got fired. I got laid, laid off from my job. And my first thought was like, awesome. I'm a full-time blogger. Like it was by default, de- default, but technically at that moment, even till now, it's been, you know, 10 years, I've been blogging full-time for a living. And, and the first few months were obviously hard. And so I was making at my day job, I think I was around like 65,000 a year. And then the blog, I think was making around like a thousand a month, maybe 2000 a month with, with the other blog. So let's say about $40,000. And then I had about $40,000 in savings. So I went from a hundred thousand dollars working two jobs down to 40. And it was interesting because it was my dream job. I, I'm like, okay, I'm now officially a full-time blogger. And then I realized, oh crap, like I'm not saving any money because now I'm just breaking even, you know? And that was a real epiphany too. It was like, oh, blogging full-time isn't like a dream all the way. There's more to it. And eventually I figured it out and stuff. But yeah, that's how it all kind of got started was really, really my friend offering to buy his blog changed my mentality of, of business and entrepreneurship. Like I, I'm, I, I'm not an entrepreneur at heart at, at all. You know it's time to leave a job when you go in and get fired and the best the first thing you think is thank god <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> yeah, to leave. I didn't have to make the decision. Now I can do what I really want. Your business activities mushroomed really after that. I mean, you got into several philanthropic activities as well yeah. as other blogs and communities. Tell us a little bit about Rockstar Finance because I think next to budgets are sexy. It's one of kind of your crowning achievements. How did that come about? Yeah. So Rockstar Finance in a nutshell was just me reading all like financial blogs that I enjoy reading anyways, and then picking my fa- my favorite three articles of the day and then sharing it, you know, on Rockstar Finance on, on one site. But what I loved about it was like, oh, I'm reading these anyways, I can promote them. And I what I liked is that it wasn't all about me because when you're a blogger, it's just like me, me, me. You're just talking about yourself for the most part the whole time, right? Uh, and so I liked it that I got to still be a part of the community and 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 promote the community and especially smaller bloggers. Because obviously, if you're popular, you're getting a lot of traffic and a lot of people pay attention to popular bloggers, but not the smaller ones. Um, and so my favorite was when brand new bloggers came on the scene, and I'm like, oh man, like this girl or guy, like they are going to take off. Like I could tell, right? Like because they're raw, they're real, they're very positive and community based. And so I'd share them and immediately Rockstar Finance started taking off and was sending traffic. So every day, you know, three different people would get anywhere from 500 to let's say 2000 views just for being featured on the site, right? So it was like a little spike for them. And what I didn't realize was that like bloggers, like now I realize looking back, but like bloggers love sharing their own stuff. So anytime I featured them, they in turn would share and say, oh, hey, I'm featured in Rockstar Finance, go check it out. 
And so it was a really cool ecosystem of everyone passing like quality content around. And so the reader really gets to win because they don't have to sort through. I mean, I was looking at, you know, close to 2000 blogs every single day. Right. And not all, not everyone publishes daily, but there was about, let's say two to 250 articles that I'd skim. And so my job was to like, kind of find the best in my opinion and share it. And that way, like it helps everyone. So it was really good project. I did it for three or four years by myself. I grew a team of, of a few people to help me. I came close to like selling it, then not selling it, then not then selling it, then not selling it. And eventually I ended up selling it to free up, you know, to, to live more than, you know, be addicted to the computer, you know, in the most part. Yeah, listening to you, it, it makes it clear how difficult good curation can actually be when you're talking about looking at 2,000 different blogs a day, maybe reading 250 full articles. I remember as an early blogger, getting featured on Rockstar Finance was was it. It was everything awesome. for exactly that reason. It just sent a bunch of traffic to you. And if you were out there creating content, that's where you wanted to be. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Part of what Rockstar Finance sounds like to me is this idea of giving back. You also got involved with a bunch of different types of philanthropy and started a few programs. How did that happen? Basically, when I figured out my own money stuff and let's I, and I got on track, right? You go through the stages of, all right, let's make sure I'm not in debt. Okay, let's make sure like I'm at least breaking even cash flow, right? I'm not losing money. All right, let's make sure you have an emergency fund. Once I got the basics down, and and like I knew that gradually over time my net worth would be going up. It kind of dawned on me that a lot of us, especially myself, focus on just wanting more and more and more and, and growth, you know, in, in business, but also in money. And a lot of us financial bloggers tend to like always like we all we all want to make more money at the end of the day, right? Like everyone. And it dawned on me that I'm not great at giving back. And so at the time I'd run into this guy named Nate St. Pierre that was doing a lot of giving back and he wanted to do something relating to money, but he wasn't good about money. And so we kind of like partnered up and said, Hey, let's do this project together. And in a nutshell, we launched a site called Love Drop. And, and the premise was that, you know, if everyone just gave a dollar or $2, like really like micro giving combined, that would give us the pot of money every month. And then we can find someone that really needs it and help them with the money. But the kicker was that, you can nominate people that you knew in your community that needed help. And then we would literally fly or drive to meet the person in person that month. So at the beginning of the month, we fundraised. At the end of the month, we'd go visit the person and surprise them with a gift that the Love Drop community did. And we'd film it. We're like, hey, here's what everyone gave to you. And some people gave money. Some people would like knit, like knit a hat for them. Some people would customize a gift based on what we knew about the person. And so it was this really cool way of giving back, but, but being able to see the direct impact. Cause I have a, it's hard for me to give to a bigger organization when they're getting millions of dollars and I never see like what my donation does, you know, there's always a disconnect. And so this was very real in person. Like you can give me a dollar today and in three weeks, you're going to watch us give that dollar to the person, you know, and that was really cool for us. And, you know, some months, you know, one person needed a car and we just said, does anyone like help us get a car? Do you work at a dealership? You know, like, like we need, we have like $2,000. And this one girl said, I have a Ford Mustang convertible. I was going to sell, but I'd rather give it to this person. If you can fly down here and get it, it's yours. So we flew down to Florida. We drove it up to Louisiana and, and the month we gave the keys, you know, to this, this school teacher that needed it. 
So it's really cool. Also, I learned that if you put out these like crazy asks, someone in your community could be connected and 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 give this to you, right? Or give this to the person you're trying to help. So we did this every month for a year and it was really fun. And that taught me a lot, but that kind of got my brain going. And so every few years I take a break and then I start another thing, but that, that was our biggest one, Love Drop. And it kind of shows the importance of platform because here you are a blogger, building budgets are sexy. You're building rockstar finance. You're building a big platform. So when you make those crazy asks, it's going out to thousands and thousands of people and you're more likely to get some traction. Yeah. And and the crazy part is we did Love Drop. I think I was only around for two years. So that was even before Rockstar. So my reach was, you know, a 20th of what it is now. And even with that, it was still enough to to do to move the needle. So yeah, the bigger you get, obviously, yeah, the more impact you can have and the more connections for sure. So yeah, if, if there's some idea like any readers have or something that you really are passionate about, like I, I would talk about it out loud, tell people what you need. Cause a lot of us, like I love helping people, but I don't know what people need. And so I only know if someone tells me I'm looking for, and it has to be like specific, right? Like I, like the tires of my car, like need to be replaced. Like they're, they, you know, they got a flat and I don't have money. That's very specific. And I'm like, okay, I know how to help you. I can buy you two new tires, <laughs> you know? And so a lot of us like, like, oh, I need money or this. Like it's very general, but being specific and then telling people in a, in a nice way, like it really, really can go far, especially online. Let's take a break. We're talking with blogger and entrepreneur Jay Money, who sold his blog, Budgets Are Sexy, to The Motley Fool and currently is the creator of All Star Money, which curates the best voices in finance. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing. And there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals. And let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave and two minutes later... You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Now you can join our crowd's investment in Moodify, who is radically altering the multi-billion dollar fragrance market by digitizing scents. 
Moodify is the first company to develop software that enables function-specific scents that improve mental performance, eliminate the perception of bad odors, and much more. You can get in early on Moodify and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash EAI. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free. Just go to ourcrowd.com slash EAI. Welcome back. Jay Money discovered the personal finance world while trying to learn how to budget in 2008. Since then, he has created multiple websites, including Budgets Are Sexy, which sold in 2019. Before the break, we discussed his infamous rise as blogger and entrepreneur. Jay, let's go back to those early days. You were building a platform. You had created Budgets Are Sexy. This was around the time of Rockstar Finance. In the 2012, 13, 14 years, the personal finance blogosphere was growing. There were all sorts of conferences popping up like FinCon. Did you find yourself a little bit famous or infamous when you would go to these conferences <laughs> and and kind of participate in community functions? Yeah, I did. With you know, I've been to every single one starting with FinCon number one. And at that time it was about a hundred of us from all over the world, you know, that we're just so excited to see each other in person because we follow each other, but we're all like, you know, online spread out everywhere. So that was amazing that PT had put that together to, to start for the community. And I did. And, and I think when I got there, like it was the first time, like people just come up to talk to you, you know, it's like, oh, I read and they know all this stuff about you, which is also kind of strange. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just weird because you're not used to that in real life. In the beginning, it was just my friends because there was only a hundred of us and a lot of us knew each other. But as the years progressed, like now I think they get like 2,000 or 2,500 people going to FinCon, right? Yeah, there's times where I'd walk out and try to go to the restroom, for example. And, and I, I have to stop four or five times because there's always someone coming up to say, and it's always positive and I, and I welcome it, of course. But I do realize, like, and this is crazy because you're only famous in one spot, in one little tiny niche of the world. And so it's kind of nice when you're there, but like after two, three days, you're like, oh my gosh, like if you were real famous, like, like celebrities, like it is just such a different lifestyle and it's so hard it's good, but it, it's so draining because you always have to be on, you know, like you never, like if a fan comes up to you, you don't want to be an, an, an ass, you know, or if you're, if you're like upset or if you're having a bad day or something, like it's so hard. So like, I admire all the people, the celebrities that do it like really well. Like it is, it is a lot, but it's also very, you know, also, you know, a good problem to have, of course. Yeah. And you're pretty recognizable, right? Because that Mohawk, especially people knew exactly <laughs> who you were from a yeah. distance. It's good marketing. Like that was part of like, well, if I'm going to, I'm anonymous, right? I don't blog under my real name or tell people where I live, you know, but that was something that I had to realize if you go to a conference in person, you could only be anonymous to a degree, right? So like as, if you're starting something and this is something, if you want to blog anonymously, these are all things you just have to think about what you're okay with or not okay with. But yeah, yeah. But looking different, especially, and again, most people in our community, like we're, you know, we're all financial nerds, right? Like, and, and my, and some of us are, a lot of us are introverts, you know? And so if you are an extrovert and look different, you, you definitely stand out. Do you ever find yourself or did you find yourself eventually wanting to fade into the background? I'm thinking about my first few FinCons and I was a content producer and I wanted to be on every podcast and I wanted to sit on every panel and I was <laughs> jumping to be a part of everything. Does yeah. that change over the years? 
It does for me, but I I only go to conferences. So I feel like there's two types of people. There's people that want to learn and constantly grow and build this empire and just like learn, learn, learn and do, do, do. And in the beginning, I was a little like that. But for me, it's more about being around people that are that are relatable to me and that I love. And, and you know, it's more of like a hanging out. And so I, I was never one to like want to speak everywhere or to, to attend even a lot of the events there because I just go for the people, you know, but I also feel like too, as a content producer, you're always, again, talking about yourself. And I think after four or five years for me, I was like, oh man, like this is so self-centered and it's not always bad because you're helping, of course, and sharing examples and you're, you're adding value. But for me, as I got older, I started not wanting to be the center of attention and so, it, it, and that, that is when it becomes hard if you go to FinCon and you do just want to do something and you can't because like you stand out so much. So there's like for that, like I'd wear a hat or I'd go around different ways, you know, and they sound stupid, but like no one will recognize me with a hat because they're so used to the Mohawk, you know, you know, so there's things you could do, but, but yeah, I think depending on why you're blogging or attending and then your personality plays a big role in a lot of this. And, and I got to tell you, man, like as much as I love the hustle and and the online stuff, like it is so addicting and consuming. And if you don't step back and really ask yourself, like what you truly want, you get sucked into it and you're building and you're building. I mean, I know people that work 70, 80, 90 hours a week and they are killing it. They are building and expanding. And I swear every time I ask them like, oh, that's great. Like, like, like I basically ask them if it's enough, like, oh, are you going to stop? Never. It's always, I want more and more, or this is bad. This is bad. And it's just mind blowing to me because they have so much success, but it doesn't really feel like they're like enjoying it, I guess, maybe. And so that's something I've realized over the years to enjoy it and, and also to live more because the online world is not like real life, you know, especially, you know, with COVID and everything now, it's like, it's just so different, you know. And the truth of the matter is, although maybe your online personality was staying consistent over the years, your life was changing, right? This all started in 2007. You were engaged, but not married. You didn't have any kids. Yeah, Your life is 2014, 2015 is not looking exactly the same. Your responsibilities have changed too, right? (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't even work 80 hours if I wanted to. That's right. Cause you know, unless I didn't want to be there for my kids. And so as a, you know, some years I was a stay at home parent, you know, the main one when my wife went out and worked, you know? And so, yeah, your life changes and, 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 you know, it's funny. Like I remember my, my, I think he was maybe five at the time, like going out he was like, dad, it was a Saturday, right? In the middle of a Saturday, beautiful day. And he's like, oh, I just want to go for a walk in these woods over here. And my first thing was like, I can't, like, I can't, I need to do work. Like, that's my very first thing. Like, no, no, this is like my working hour, you know? And I don't know, for some reason I was like, okay, let's do it. And it was just, it like, it changed everything because we were out in nature and he was just playing with water. And I was like, wow, like, I just, I don't know. I just, I felt so alive. And I'm like, why am I putting work in front of everything? And, and there's times where I've been a really good dad and I've never been a horrible dad, but certainly my brain is thinking of other things when I was hanging out with them, you know, and I'm like, what can I do to still be successful online, but like have a successful life, you know, and I, that, I was like prioritizing, I'd rather have a better life than a better business. Like, that's what I kind of came to the realization of. So instead of working nonstop nights, days, weekends, I slowly said, all right, I'm not going to work like after like five or 6 PM laptop closes till tomorrow. And then I stopped working weekends. I tried it one weekend and I'm now like four years in, not one single weekend in four years have I opened up my laptop to do work. 
And amazingly, you get all your stuff done during the week because like you just hustle more, you know, you, you become better and efficient. And so really to, to answer your question, my kids really reminded me that there's living to do and that like work is like really not that important, even though we get so sucked into it. So clearly your personal life evolved. Let's talk about your financial life. When you started Budgets Are Sexy, part of the idea was you were building towards a net worth of a million dollars. As time went on, as you became more of a content producer and entrepreneur, did you find that your financial goals were evolving or changing? Yeah. The the biggest thing is in the beginning, I wanted a million dollars because it, it was cool and I could be a millionaire. Right. And most people, when you think of millionaire, you think, oh, I'm going to go like you have fancy cars, fancy homes. Right. But like the reality is like, that's not, that's how you lose millions of dollars. Right. Like you spend it. (laughs) And when you're a millionaire, you don't buy stuff, you lose your money, you know? And so as the years progress, really, I think when I hit around, around 400,000 net worth, I was like, wow, like I felt like that was enough in my head. That was what something clicked. And I was like, yeah, it's great to get to a million. But like, that was what I felt safe and felt comfortable. And then it was also around the time when I started wanting to live more. And so what I realized in the 12 years online is that I, I want an, an ideal lifestyle. Like that, that's my, that's like the number one thing I want, the perfect lifestyle. I want to wake up early, do work for like three hours and then do whatever the hell I want to do for the rest of the day. Like hang out, go with the kids, build something, read something, nap, like it doesn't matter what it is, but it's on my terms. And so for me, like sometimes a million dollars might get you that. Sometimes you can be fine with half a million. Sometimes you need 4 million depending on your lifestyle, you know? So for me, it wasn't about the money anymore. It was just like, how do I arrange my perfect lifestyle? And then money obviously, you know, does come in play, but lots of other things like habits and, and how you spend your time and, and who you're hanging out with, like all these other things play a role as well. So, and that's why you have people that are millionaires, but that they're miserable, because it's they're unbalanced, you know? And so I think it's important to have a goal to shoot for, for sure, financially. But I think to ask yourself, like, what's my what's my dream life looks like? And 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 some is gonna be a lot cheaper than than other people. This conversation reminds me of something you wrote when you were describing the idea of selling budgets are sexy. You wrote, I feel like I've been living two separate lives for so long that I now can't tell which is the real one and which is the digital <laughs> one. <laughs> you you laugh as I read that. Tell me about that. Why why did that just make you laugh? I don't I mean it's true because it well, especially for me, because I'm anonymous online. And you know, Jay Money is an online character. It's me, but like there's another me in the real world with different friends, you know? And so I have double everything, right? I've I've double Gmail email accounts, double Twitter account, double everything to separate everything. So for me, it is kind of like a, this other. It's kind of like another character of mine, I guess, like a, a character guy. But when you're doing all this stuff, you get so consumed and and it's just, <laughs> it's just hard to like separate it. I, mean, I don't know how other, like, unless you've been through it, it's just like a weird thing. And part of the reason I had such a hard time selling because I thought if you sold something, you lose everything, right? And I'm, I'm in big into minimalism and I'm like, like, if I were to not be associated with Budgets Her Sexy, which is my entire entity online and my real life at this point, because this is what I do full time, do I go away? What happens to me? Did I waste everything? You know, and 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 I've sold it, right? And and the answer is no. Like I'm talking to you, and I'm not even like I haven't even blogged there for over a year. And so I think you 
you still keep all your, your friends and you still keep your, your thoughts and everything. It's just one of those things where you have to like, not reinvent yourself, but you have to figure out like who you are again, if that makes sense. Like if you were a tire or if something major happens in your life, it's like one of those things, you know? I'd ask this of budgets are sexy, but also of rockstar finance. Was there a moment of seller's remorse? Like right after you did it, was there this moment where you're like, oh my God, I just let go of these things? No, never, never, never. There almost was at one point I om- I got an offer to buy out both of them at the same time. And it was, it coincided with the time where I started to lose a lot of money. Like when I realized I wanted to live more and I've never been a great monetizer online, like some finance people are just making, you know, millions a year, millions off a financial blog. Like it's crazy. Right. And I've fluctuated anywhere from making a thousand a month to 10,000 a month. But there was a time when I said, I want to live more and work less that I had not figured out how to keep making money, the less I worked, the less money I made. So I had a say a network, I had um, a savings account of I think like $90,000. And I'm like, you know what, I'm done working all the time. And it dwindled all the way, I kid you not to less than $1,000, like 90,000 wow. in cash, because I started having kids, my wife was in grad school, I had this like life epiphany. And it was like all this mixture of going down, 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 down. And so I, when I had an offer to buy, I was like, oh my gosh, like that amount of money, like I would not have to worry about money anymore, you know, but it was the wrong reason to sell because I still wanted to be, I still had stuff I wanted to do in the community. And so first I said, yes, I will sell. Like I'm done. You know, I said, yes. And the guy said, all right, well, we'll do the paperwork. A week went by, a month went by, nothing for two months. And he came back. And in those two months, I went to FinCon. I got presented. It was the year that I got blogger of the year. I think like this amazing award. And I was getting it. I was on stage receiving. And I thought, oh my gosh, like no one knows I'm about to just sell out. Right. Like I felt like such a poser, you know, and like, it's okay to sell out. Right. I've given like 10 years, a fourth of my life to it. Right. There's nothing bad in it, but that's how I felt. And then I was on the plane and I was like, you know what? Like I'm ready to go again. Like I was rejuvenated. And the, and the, I told the guy like I'm out like I I said no and he was like so surprised but he said yeah go do your thing you know like don't sell when it's not the right time if I had sold then I'd probably be in a much different headspace right now I I definitely would have regretted it and so I, I went all in for about a year or two year did a lot of the stuff I wanted to do and then I sold them off in, to different people and and kind of for different reasons so I did it the right way the second time around so for that reason yeah no, no regrets at all. I'm thinking of the amazing evolution of Jay, the guy who starts Budget or Sexy with this goal of reaching a million dollars to the guy many years later who goes from $90,000 to less than $1,000 in his bank account and yet still doesn't make the big, easy profit by selling his websites. That's a different guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, back then. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the deal, it was a million dollar deal and it was structured in a way it wasn't just like a million dollar check. Like there was a lot to it. And so like, if you had told me like blogging in the beginning, I would said, yeah, I would have take that. Like I'm done. And so, yeah, you, you, event, you know, as you, as long as you're growing and interacting with people that are, that are like, that are improved, helping you to improve, right. You know, whether it's mentors or even just your community, it changes you. And, and I, I thank God that I'm not one of those people. Cause I know I can get greedy. Like if I'm at a casino winning, for example, like I will sit there, like you just get so consumed, you know? And so things like minimalism has helped me like take a step back. Having kids has helped me take a step back. And again, like we all need money, 
But once you get to like your quote, like you're enough, it is diminishing returns after that, you know? And so I think if you can really figure out, you know, what's true to you, that that's, that's a, it's a hard thing to do. But once you figure that out, that's like a really good place to be. Many of us got into the personal finance space at a time where we really worship this idea of financial independence, retire early or the fire movement. Let's talk 2021. What are your feelings about the fire movement and kind of contrast that to how it felt early on when you first started blogging? Yeah. So when I first started, there was no fire movement. There was maybe one or two people talking about it on and off. Like Jacob from early retirement extreme was blogging or about to, or about to end. Like he was early. Then Mr. Money Mustache came and then that like exploded. Right. But the first few years, I didn't really hear much about it. And then when it came on, like, yeah, I was all for it. I thought it was great. It helped me. Like I was investing really crappily at the time. Like I have spending all these crazy fees. So the movement helped me like zone in on a, a strategy for me that worked, which is index investing. That changed my, my finances a lot there. And in the beginning, a lot of people are super positive, right? And it was also in our community. It really hadn't hit mainstream. Over the years, and especially as a curator, I see what everyone's saying, there is a lot more, it's not as like positive as it used to be. And, and there's different reasons for that. And, and I think when it hit mainstream, you get all these people that like want to bash it right away, but it's, it's like, they're coming at it from a different angle. Like when you're on blogs, you're, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to learn and talk about money. It's very open. But if you're an outsider and then jump in, it's so like drastic, <laughs> you know? And so I think once it hit mainstream, it changed a little bit. And some bloggers are feistier than others. Like, oh, you can never do this. Like that's the wrong way, you know? And, and as we all know it with personal finances, it's very personal. It's all, we all have our own ways. There's no right or wrong, but you do start seeing a lot of that now. And actually in the space too, you know, even going back to curating, a lot of bloggers are doing it for, for the business, for money. You know, once people figured out how to make money online and content, a lot of blogs start just to make money, which isn't, there's no, nothing inherently wrong with that. But, but if you're under the guise of, I want to help and give back and, you know, this and that, but you just care about the money the whole time, it's a different experience and, and you can tell by reading it. So a lot of, a lot of change, but there's still a lot of good pockets, you know, here and there in the community. And, and overall, the fire movement, in my opinion, is very, very good because there are people that will hear it and it will just like blow your mind like that you like you don't even know that's an option right so even if you hate parts of it or you decide it's not for you at least you stopped and you thought about it and that's like more than a lot of people do with money so that is like really 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 good so i'm i'm very happy that it's around for sure reintroduce you. We are talking to Jay Money, blogger and entrepreneur, former creator and owner of Budgets Are Sexy and Rockstar Finance. We'll take another short break and be back in a moment. I'm Doc G and this is Earn and Invest. Although we touch upon real estate here on the Earn and Invest podcast, there is one place you can go to really learn about this asset class. It is the Real Estate and Financial Independence podcast with my friend, Coach Carson. Chad, also known as the coach, teaches you about this important asset class really in two fundamental ways. One is he has episodes where he, as the expert, tells you the tips and tricks to learning about real estate and how to use it towards financial independence. The other is where he has guests. These are proof of concept examples of how people are out there making real estate work for them. 
Check them out, CoachCarson.com, the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast. Take a listen. You won't regret it. Welcome back. Jay Money discovered the personal finance world while trying to learn how to budget in 2008. Since then, he created multiple websites, including Budgets Are Sexy, which he sold in 2019. Before we talked about his evolution as a person, as well as a personal finance expert, Tell us about what's happening in your life right now, Jay. You started a curation site called All Star Money. Why now? And what was kind of the impetus to get started? Yeah, well, that's a very easy question to answer. The team at The Motley Fool who bought Budgets Are Sexy said, hey, we loved Rockstar Finance. Let's talk about doing something similar. Like Rockstar Finance had been good. I sold it. It was still somewhat decent. And then someone, like a third person bought it and it kind of imploded. And by the way, that's something for like entrepreneurs. Like you always think about the first person you're selling it to, but you never think about what happens after that. So if you ever sell anything, just be okay with like, hey, if this goes, you know, if this gets shut down tomorrow, like, are you okay with that? But anyway, yeah, they just, they liked it. And and there are some, a lot of more curation sites over the years have been popping up. And so that was good. So we knew there was a market for it, but the full team said, Hey, let's, let's talk about restarting, you know, something like that. And, and that's where all-star money came through right now. It's very similar in that we do curation, you know, I, I'm back to reading what the whole financial community is writing all around the world. I still pick my favorite three based on, you know, how interesting it is, how helpful, how positive small bloggers to big bloggers to people in you know Australia to people in California so it's really it's really cool and yeah so I'm doing that and then you know basically I figured out the lifestyle thing like I said I, I wake up in the morning I do my all-star work and my goal is to be at you know come lunchtime to to be on my own terms and to do stuff like this talk to you on the podcast <laughs> So it occurs to me that this might be the first time that you're actually working for someone in quite a while. What's it like to have a boss? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, it's different. You know, I forgot how many meetings uh, you have to do. <laughs> the cursed meetings, huh? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. The other year, I'm like, I really missed meetings because you don't have that as as solo entrepreneurs, right? So yeah, lots of meetings. I will say what's nice, and this is just for me because. I hated thinking about monetization and worrying about marketing. So the beautiful, the, the reason why the Motley Fool is such a good fit is that our cultures are very similar. Like we're laid back, we try to have fun, and they're very good about like what do you enjoy doing and what are you good at, and then what are they good at and enjoy doing, right? The thing that I'm, I think I'm good at is is curating and writing about personal finance in an entertaining way. Right. But I am horrible about business building. I'm horrible about monetization. I'm horrible about marketing, all these other things. And those are all things that the fool is really good at. And so that was a really good team. So, so that we, I sold budgets to them. We got to learn how we work together. It went well. And we said, let's talk about building this new site. You know, we've had bumps in the roads. There's things that don't like about it. And, you know, most of the stuff I do like. So that's, you know, why I'm still here. <laughs> but, you know, the salary, right? Oh, that, that was the point. The salary, like, when you're working for yourself, it's, it ebbs and flows. Some months you're up, some months you're down, some months you make a ton, some months you go months without making anything, right? And so I'm a contractor, so I still am technically self-employed, but they're like my number one client. But having a salary is really nice because you can like plan budgeting and plan stuff, you know, a lot more. So, and, I, and I've never, here's another thing that I realized when I first went to work for myself, I was like, yeah, work for yourself. Like, screw the man, you know, like, oh, if you're not a hustler, then die. Like, I was so like into that mindset. And then I realized, I was like, you know what? 
it's actually really good being a nine to five because a nine to fiver, because you get a salary, you get health benefits. And then for a lot of people come five o'clock, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to work nights. You don't have to work weekends. And I know it's different, especially in this day and age, but like, like entrepreneurs are thinking and thinking and thinking and doing, and there's always something and it's just nonstop. And so like having a break is like amazing. So like I have breaks now, which is amazing. I have a salary and all I have to do, I mean, it's so stupid to think about. All I have to do is read articles about money and then share my favorite ones. That's it, a crazy job, right? Like it's, it's so crazy. And I, and I very blessed to have it. It's just, you know, but all the stuff you're building, it's interesting that you can kind of craft this, again, this ideal job based on everything you've done. So it's really, really cool opportunity. It's the art of subtraction, right? And one of the true superpowers of leaning towards financial independence, of knowing how to budget and use your money, is that you can start getting rid of things you don't like um, and just subtracting them from your life, which is exactly what it sounds like you did. It is funny, though. A lot of us leave our structured jobs to be entrepreneurs and a bunch of years into it, look back and say, hey, it was kind of (laughs) nice having someone else think about all that stuff. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny world. It's, it's it's a cool thing to go. I wish everyone can kind of go through it just to see what what fits you best, you know. And I know the world doesn't really work that way, but it is. If you're a risk taker, like like I'd much rather have tried and then like failed and go back to a job, you know, like that. Like that's not too bad at the end of the day if it didn't work out, you know. Um, yeah, but it's a good. It's a it's it's interesting with the internet and really. Like I, my, I was raised, like you go to college, which I did, you get a degree, you get a normal job, which I did. And that you, you don't, unless someone tells you there's other ways to make money, you can, there's like 10 other paths. Like you don't really think about it. You just go with the floor. Or at least I did. Maybe I'm just, you know, stupid. Right. But like when you figure it out, oh my gosh, there's all these other options. Like life is just so different. <laughs> you know, it's cool. I love it. And you're right. Being financially free brings, gives you options. And, and honestly, like, I think too, going back to when I almost sold, it was more in desperation. So I didn't really have much wiggle room to like negotiate or to really, I was too afraid to ask for what I really wanted. Right. And this other time around when I didn't need to sell, but I said, Oh, this would be a good change for me. And so I was able to set like, here's what I would need. Right. And then I literally have like, here's a list like, like my, my, my diva list. That's what I called it. Like, Here's my diva list. Here's everything I'm not going to do if the Motley Fool hires me. And I sent it to them. It's like 20 bullets long, you know, it's ridiculous, but I only did that because I didn't have, you know, if they said no, or deals done, like, okay. Like I did, it wasn't as important. So you, you get all these crazy benefits when you're not so like desperate for the money for sure. You heard it here first on Earn and Invest. Jay Money, the diva with his diva <laughs> list. Yeah, dude. And I put, yeah, I put some like I'm never going to write about. Like I just wrote all this stuff that I'm not going to write about. All this stuff like I'm not going to, again, the, at the top was I'm not working nights. and I'm not working weekends because that was lifestyle. And again, like they're like, that's cool, dude. You just do your thing. And, and that's important too. When you partner with someone else, it is kind of like a relationship, like a like a marriage in a way. You know, and so you really have to pick the right team or else you can like butt heads and it doesn't work. And from the get go, they said, look, we don't want to buy your blog and then turn around and watch it crash and burn. Like that is embarrassing. Right. And, and, you know, you know, you've been in the space, you, we all see financial blogs sell and then it's, they're just gone. It just crashes. 
right? And I, I've never seen, and I told them, I said, I've never seen any blog succeed after it's sold. And they said, well, well, tell us what the best way for that not to happen. And so I was like, wow, like, well, maybe I can handcraft, like handpick the person to take over. Maybe I can blog even after it sells and then transition away. And these are all things we did. And budgets is still, you know, going strong. Like some people miss me. A lot of people like the new guy better, you know, like, it, like it's crazy. I still go and I still read it and I still share it. I share it on all star money. Cause I think it's good stuff, you know? And so it's, yeah, it's really neat. The new guy is 5am Joel, who is very entertaining and a good read. You mentioned part of your diva list was no nights and weekends. I think the last time I saw it on your blog, you were going on 42 weeks of not opening your laptop on the weekend. Is that still going? Oh, it's more, it's more than 42 months now. Yeah. 42 months, 42 months. Even more impressive, right? Wow. That is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And there's times where I get like, oh, I want to go, but it good. It, it was good to rest. And and funny, like I used to dread Mondays and now I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for Mondays because I was gone for two days. Right. And I, you get so energetic in our space and then come Friday, it's like this frenetic pace to like get everything done. And then sometimes I'll just like on Twitter, I'm like logging off for the weekend, you know, like to let everyone know, even though no one really cares, like, you know, don't reach out. I'm not going to answer, you know, it's cool. It's a cool place to be. Jay Money, I wanted to thank you for being on the show. The reason why I wanted to highlight your story is because it's really a story of evolving. When we all start, whether it be in a new business, in writing a blog, what have you, we have an idea of what we want. And over the years, we find that often what we thought we wanted when we started is not exactly what we want when we get older. We have to build our life by design. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you first, what's up next in your life? And next, where can people find you if they want to interact with you online? Everyone can find me at jmoney.biz.biz. It's kind of like my, I don't know, my resume or it has all my contact stuff. And then the most, the place I usually hang out the most is, is Twitter. Um, and actually the part of my diva list was me keeping my handle at budgets are sexy. So I still tweet from there. As far as what's next, honestly, like I have, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm curating at, at all star money and I'm just one of those guys that goes with the flow and, and for the better or worse, you know, something cool happens or it doesn't, you know, but what I do know is that like, it's anything I work on from this point forward is, has to be something from the heart. I'm not good at doing stuff for money or just to grow. There always has to be some kind of a point to it. And that now that I am, you know, financially free, I can, you know, choose to do that. So yeah, if anyone ever has any partnership ideas or anything, reach out to me. I'm always, you know, the cool thing about our online world is there's always something interesting that can be done, you know? So now it's like, what do you work on and what you don't? So it's, it's exciting. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Jay Money. That's a wrap. Hey, this is Doc G again. Just want to remind you before we get to the after show that there are two ways to really interact with the Earn and Invest podcast besides listening to episodes on Monday and Thursday. We have the Facebook group that's at earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. There you can go and have conversations with our community, which are very similar to what you hear on the podcast. 
And also you can check out the Earn and Invest blog. Just go to earnandinvest.com. We have weekly articles there that usually connect to one of the podcast episodes. So it gives you a little bit more depth. And then you can go back and listen to an old episode and see how it connects. Check them out. We love to have you part of this community and enjoy the after show. Cool. Sweet. Yeah, it's all right. Was there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about specifically? No, no, no. I, I Yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool. I've not, I mean, uh, the thing I didn't say was that I, I don't own anything online. So like nothing is, you know, I have nothing to promote. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, all star money, but you did a good job bringing that up naturally. So yeah, um, yeah that's the neat thing is, is, you know, what happens when you sell everything online? Like it hit me the other day, like I own nothing online, like nothing. <laughs> it's just so crazy because we're so used to building and owning things, you know? So yeah, yeah, I imagine. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, here's the thing, right? Is it's a privilege and yet it's also a responsibility. And, yeah. you know, I gleaned some of that from your story too, is that at some point the responsibility of owning things online wasn't as gratifying as the privileges and right part of that may be that you were getting older part of that is you have three kids part of that is your finances had gotten better because you had been successful like yeah. but but that i think is a big part of i think all of our stories because we have a lot of people out there who are like if i could just make it to that a million dollars if i can just side hustle if i can just have this passive income yeah and they forget that it's yeah like it's life by design and that's like the beginning of the design process you have to allow yourself to pivot and change and grow into what you're eventually going to be. And, and I think that's, that's a, a real big, important story to me um, that I think people should know. And, and it's helpful for them to hear kind of at the beginning of their journey, as well as at the end. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and something I meant to say that I forgot was that it's okay to like change your mind on stuff, you know, Cause like we're all, we can plan now for the future, but then life changes so drastic. And then sometimes we're so stuck. Like, no, we made a decision. We're not going back, you know? And I say this about politics, right? And like, obviously politics, like is flip floppy, like crazy, but I'm like, well, these are different people now than they were 10 years ago. Like, of course they're going to have different opinions, but you can't ever argue that in politics. It never works. Yeah, I, I love that saying, right? The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Except the problem is 20 years ago, you didn't know you were moving to a whole different orchard in a different state. To, <laughs> like, like, you didn't know, right? You didn't know that's that you right. wouldn't want trees, that you'd rather be skiing in the mountains by that point. Like, you oh, don't know. Yeah. I, I, I read that this morning. Someone posted that in curation this morning. Someone literally put that quote. I never thought of it like you did. I like well, it. It's a great quote, except yeah. it's, it's somewhat, it, you know, it, so it's great when you're putting money in a Roth IRA, right? Yeah, so nice. yeah, the best time to put money in a Roth IRA was, or whatever, in an IRA was 20 years ago. I don't know if there yeah. were Roths. Were there Roths 20? There were, they had just come about Probably, years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but when it comes to life, you just, you don't know. <laughs> that's good i'm gonna use that you, t- you gave me something i love it <laughs> see man you come on my podcast i give you something a little bit back that's right yeah that should be your slogan <laughs> right. this will probably come out something like four to six weeks oh yeah um, no problem i'll share it around but i think it's going to come out really well i you know i edit but i don't do major editing i just clean okay. it up and make it sound really good okay um, but i'm not going to get rid of 
like sentences or paragraphs or that kind of stuff. Cause pretty much everything you said was interesting and on and, and fits in the okay. flow of what we we're talking about. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 Feel free to edit. However, I'll, I'll share it. I never listened to them back. So I'll, I, I won't know what you did or not do. I'll just promote it. Yeah. And I will send you a copy of it usually a few days before, and then I'll okay. send you links the night of. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good, man. Congrats right. on everything. How, what, what episode number is this one? Oh boy. This, so this one will end up being something like 220, probably 215, wow. something in that range. So wow. right now we dropped, I think 203 and 204 is Monday. Wow. Um, I do two days a week. <laughs> I started, so it used to be called the what's up next podcast, which I did with Paul Thompson, who's my partner. And we did mainly panels. Okay. So we do three or four people on a subject and kind of do an interview. He left the podcast back, I think in January of 2020. And then I took it over fully. And so I usually try to do something that's more panel like on Mondays and then individual interviews on Thursday. My backstory is, and you and I, I think you and I met very briefly somewhere. I can't remember. It must've been at FinCon. Yeah. Yeah, Just, just a very brief moment. But um, my backstory is I'm a physician who kind of was burning out in medicine when I realized I was financially independent and kind of went through the rabbit hole and learned all about financial independence, et cetera. And with that knowledge transitioned away from medicine to more a life of creativity, writing, podcasting, public speaking. Um, That's cool. That's such a drastic change too. It is. I still do some. So I I do, I'm a consultant doing hospice and palliative care work. So I work helping take care of dying people, but it's actually, I, as opposed to going and seeing patients anymore, I direct the nurses and chaplains and social workers and CNAs who go see these patients. Okay. So I do that for about 15 hours a week, but otherwise the rest is more creativity time. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's a a, quite a change and it seems like you're doing pretty well. So congratulations. That's great. Yeah, it, it, it was a nice change. And, but I, it, even now though, so I'm, I'm as, as you have, I've, I'm evolving too. And, and yeah. one thing that, you know, I struggle with now is, so I found like, when I found I had enough money, it took me many years, I think, to realize that I really want to focus more on the process of doing things and projects because okay. the process, I want to make sure I really enjoy the process of what I ever do and not so much worry about the goals. Okay. Yeah. But the other thing I'm learning in my kind of post half or semi-retirement life is even though I don't want to focus on the goals, I don't feel good unless there's some forward movement. So it's kind of juggling, yeah. enjoying the process versus doing something that you feel like you're moving forward. Um, <laughs> right. Right. And that's, that's kind of where my struggles have been as of late. But. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you certainly don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. And then just like being in the same exact spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, but on the plus side, like if something's doing bad, I'm sure it's probably faster to you now to cut it off and to, or to pivot faster than the old you maybe. Yeah, very much so. That's for good. sure. Yeah. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts.
The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. 